queen ten. Yeah, Levy with a queen ten and the win. Called the race with a. He called the race with queen ten, honey. I know, honey. He's some online guy. All right, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Adam Rufus Levy, and I'm here with Patrick Darmody, aka. What you got? What you what? What are your AKAs? Give me like four of them. <laughs> AKA, Just rattle them off. AKA ATM Darm. AKA uh, Darm Daddy. AKA FTB Mafia. I got a lot of different ones. There you go. And we are above the meta. This is actually our fifth episode. It's been a few weeks since we've gotten in the studio to record, but here we are, ready to go. Uh, how are you feeling today, Patrick? You know, I'm personally doing pretty well. I know uh, one of the reasons we took a little bit of time off is uh, it's it's one of those times where, you know, it, it feels kind of frivolous to talk about fun stuff when there's so many serious things happening in the world. Um, so I think it was it was right of us to take a couple of weeks off there. We recorded our, our last episode kind of right before a lot of the big changes happened. But, you know, I think games are something that allow a lot of people to, to heal and kind of work through all the strife in the world. I mean, I know that's why I love playing games. I think you do, too. So I'm glad that we're back and we can give the people more entertainment and uh, yeah. people take their mind off of everything that's happening. I agree. Well put. I mean, there's just it's just been a lot going on. Um, you know, uh, the it, it, yeah, it was just like coronavirus is flaring up now. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, all the protests and just tons of other stuff. I mean. Washington DC apparently is a state now. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it, it potentially would be. Potentially would be. I mean, it's just like there's just it's just madness everywhere. Um, and uh, you know, but it just it things have calmed down a little bit. I'd say you know compared to a few weeks ago. So figured you know let's get back in there and uh, put out some content. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all very important things that are happening. And I don't want to say that uh, any of that is, is downplayed by us not necessarily yeah. addressing it. But I also don't think that you or I are, are the scholars of that particular uh, period of history. So we yes. are we're monitoring everything that's happening. It's all very important. Uh, we're, you know, it's very encouraging to see a lot of these these things get addressed that haven't for a long time. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're here to talk about games. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's, I can definitely talk about games, I know that, <laughs> you know, inside and out. Yeah. So let's get right um, into it. Uh, you had a birthday. Yes, I, I did. Um, and as per tradition last year, I actually th- decided, you know what, I'm going to throw a poker tournament in, in LA, like for my birthday. Cause I it was in the middle of the world series of poker, you know, and, uh, and I came back for a little bit. So I just had some friends come over to our house and we played, you know, a $20 buy-in tournament. Obviously, this year, we couldn't do that. So I decided to hop online, get some Zoom, you know, get a little Zoom chat going and do some uh, PokerStars home game. And that was that was super fun. I'm definitely going to do that again. Um, you got to hop in there. You you uh, were fresh off the masterclass from Negrandu, <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, shout out Masterclass. It's a it's a great product. Uh, yeah, so I came out real hot and spicy. Uh, one of our mutual friends there, another pro poker guy. Uh, we got heads up. I think it was my first hand I played, and managed to get the the straight flush. That's you know, it took a lot of skill to knock him out, but unfortunately, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the high water mark for uh, for me. <laughs> yeah, he had. He, it was a classic cooler, as they say. It was yeah. a setup. It was a set versus. A, 
straight flush draw. And you just bink the straight flush on the turn, no problem. Yeah, got there. it's not a big deal. You're going to hear that it was a big deal, but really it, it wasn't. Yeah, I had so, uh, yeah. to get eliminated because I'm not actually good at poker quite yet. So what happened in the, in the, in the closing moments? So I might have won my own poker charity birthday tournament. Um, yeah, I, I was unstoppable. Uh, literally at the end, I ended up getting a uh, heads up with friend of the podcast, Brent Philbin. Uh, I actually do another podcast with him, uh, Crypto Basic Pod. Shout out. Maybe we should have a little um, gaming and uh, crypto app on on uh, ATM at some point. But so I it, I was running so good that I started covering my whole cards. Like uh, I was just I just was like, you know, what? we're gonna play blind. I really don't want to win this thing, you know. Uh, but it didn't matter. At one point, I called the raise with Deuce Three offsuit and flopped the full house. <laughs> so it was just it was it was yeah it was my you know it was my birthday. I was just I was I had to win. <laughs> and um, one thing that's awesome though is that I. We, I like took the money that I won from that, and then we were ready. We're doing it for a charity thing, uh, the bail project. So we donated 320 to that, and then someone matched it times two up to 640. So then we donated $960 to the bail project on my birthday. Freaking dope. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, good, good cause. And, uh, you know, it was a, definitely a fun evening. And it was good to see everybody on Zoom. I've, you know, we were doing all these Zoom happy hours and stuff at the beginning of uh, of lockdown, and I just got yeah. tired with it. But having one with new faces and for a good cause, and you know, for your birthday, was a lot of fun. Honestly, th- like I wish that that's just how poker should be played nowadays. You know what? Like maybe we got the casino issues where we're not going to be able to go in. We're going to have to play behind like freaking plexiglass or something to fold cards. Um, if you haven't seen that, you should check it out. That's actually how they're doing it now. Yeah, and uh, I would happily, if a poker site just was like, hey, you can play online, but we have to see your face and you have to play in the Zoom chat or something. That would be, it was super fun. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I was always really afraid that uh, my contacts would reflect the cards I had from my screen. But <laughs> that, that did not seem to happen. Speaking no. of uh, poker online, it looks like the World Series of Poker gets it now online. Yeah. Yeah, so that is weird. So the World Series of Poker is not happening this year, um, or it's most likely not happening. It's supposed to, they postponed it till October, but really, I can't see uh, poker. You know, a five thousand people filing into one room uh, when coronavirus is supposed might be flaring up again and, and expect it to be fine. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it they so what they did was they actually took they partnered with GG Poker, which is like a poker site outside of the US, and they also partnered with their own uh Vegas based uh WSOP.com online poker site. And they're gonna run the WSOP online, uh, which will be like 90 events. It's cool, <laughs> I guess. Um but my gripe is recently they came up with the schedule and they're running the main event. Is going to be a five thousand dollar tournament that is twenty five million dollars guaranteed. So that means that there's, I mean that that's five thousand entries in this, it's good and there are tw- twenty two flights. So that means there are twenty two separate days you can play in this. Hmm. So people could feasibly in be be in for twenty two, like over a hundred thousand dollars in this tournament if you wanted. Jeez. Um, that doesn't seem like in the spirit of 
we're at w, the World Series of Poker uh, $10,000 main event, which is you can only buy in once. It's called a freeze out. And there are satellites to it, like, you know, that, that, um, that anyone can play. You know, they're, you could be in a home game with your friends, put $100 in like every week, and then all of a sudden you play like a $10,000 satellite at the end to get in that that's how people would get in legitimately from, you know, just casual friends getting yeah. in there. And that's, this is just against the spirit of that. When you just have a, a tournament that you can have like tons of re-entries to it and they make the buying way too high for an online poker tournament. I hope they change it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a perverse incentive. We used to run home games in, in this very home here, and uh, it was a similar system. We had people, I think like a $10,000 game. We had people drop a hundred grand in the night and then walk away, uh, you know, empty handed. And it's just like, was that fun for you? I guess at that level, the money doesn't really matter. But for guys like you and I who are just trying to round it out, that's, yeah. It's yeah. Tough, tough to go up against the, that. People just like to play against, you know, they like to see their money kind of moving around. It's, yeah, everyone's a little bit of a degenerate. Yeah, I got that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll monitor that situation closely. Do you plan on playing? Uh, for me, probably not. Um, yeah. I don't really have. Also, you have to go out of the country and uh, it doesn't seem like Canada or even Mexico are too fond with Americans right now. Um, even let, I mean, no, I mean, it's more the way the handling of the coronavirus. I don't really think that it's like uh, they're going to be letting too many uh, unessential. I'm not exactly an essential worker to go play online out of the country. Online poker out of the country, that's for sure. Yeah, you're essential to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to go to New York here in a couple of weeks, and I don't think that's going to happen because uh, California is, yeah, we're not doing I so mean, hot. It's actually absurd. You would be going to New York to get out of the coronavirus mayhem in California now. Yeah, like, I mean. You'd be taking a break, but yeah. It's tough. I don't know. So uh, our, uh, you know, as you know, we might be getting acquired by Spotify here at Above the Meta. So our brother Joe Rogan, <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out Magic on the pod. I immediately uh, texted you about that. I think you had some familiarity with this story. Yeah. So uh, another friend of the pod, actually, Zame Beg. He, I, I've, I kind of became friendly with him over the years through Magic, and he's a very, very witty, funny guy. He kind of, so when he, he posted this article that was like, or a Google doc that he wrote basically saying that he felt like which the coast, the guys that make magic um, or that, you know, they, they own it. They, they're, it's their game. They were, I guess, racist to some level. And, you know, there are a lot of things in there and I don't want to get too bogged down in it. Um, it did seem like there were a lot of telling, um, you know, points to it apparently there were a lot of stories that came out um once zame went public with this that were also reiterating this fact uh there is one thing that was pretty damning um there's this card name invoke prejudice and it already sounds racist in the title um and i guess the picture was not too uh helpful in it you know in that regard and also, the the link that you could go to to list the card happened to be 1488, which I now learned from this article was actually like a code word for the Ku Klux Klan um, or to like it was something regarding like white nationalism. And uh, that might have been just like a coincidence 
But ultimately, this was probably noted to uh, Wizards for many years, or I'm sure people had mentioned that. Um, And it was never changed. Uh, But now, I guess, you know, a week later, Wizards of the Coast has banned Invoke Prejudice and eight other cards. Like, there's a card named Jihad and some other things. Um, They just were like, you know what, we're just getting rid of these cards. And they did change the URL to Invoke Prejudice. um, So it's no longer 1488. Um, And I, you know, unfortunately, because I'm a, a white dude, you know, like, I don't really, I can't really... You know, I I've, I can't really chime in that much regarding Wizards, but I mean, yeah. So that ended up going on Rogan somehow. So basically, Rogan, and it was hilarious because of all the people to mention this, it was it was like not this guy. It was Jocko Willink. Do you know who he is? Yeah, the former yeah. Navy SEAL. Yeah, yeah. Got his book over here on the shelf here. Yeah, former Navy SEAL Savage wakes up at like 4.35 a.m. every morning and like posted on Twitter showing that he's up and it's just like he's very serious man. So when immediately Rogan just leads with the magic, apparently Magic the Gathering is racist. I mean, that was like this is very, very peculiar uh, that all of a sudden they're talking about it. Um, it It was very brief. And I actually showed it to Zame, uh, just saying, you know, like, wow, like, you know, the internet is a small place. <laughs> what did it, what was his response? He was just like, he kind of just was like, wow, like, did not expect, you know, this post to kind of get to Rogan of all people. Shout out to Zame using uh, Google Docs for his his uh, tell all here. I'm so used to the tech community where everything's in Medium, so I, I love that he just you know opened up a Google Doc and put his thoughts. Let, let's keep it there. pure, you yeah, know, yeah. simple. So to see the card in question, I mean, invoke prejudice. To go back to that, it literally looks like a bunch of dudes wearing clan hoods. Granted, it's a, a blue card, not a white one. So you know, it's one of those things where it's from '94. I think there was a lot less sensitivity. Uh, that's good or bad around this kind of thing, but it does, you do look at it. You're like, well, that does not look like uh, it belongs in a fantasy. So yeah. In, game, invoke but. prejudice is definitely, it's an old card. There's a lot, it was a, a way different time, 26 years ago when the card was printed. So, you know, I'm sure that it, you're like, you said it, it does look like, you know, there shouldn't be dudes in hoods uh, being, uh, you know, painted on a card in especially when it's invoke prejudice it just seems like a bit too over the top yeah um, i mean zach yeah. calls this out though he says this is from over 25 years ago obviously we're not holding the current you know uh, management accountable for this card but it's just kind of an interesting data point in the history of the company um and yeah I yeah mean, I, I think it's you know moving forward we should all just try to do better try to be much more sensitive to this because even if something looks you know, kind of innocent to us, to your words, that doesn't mean everybody's going to think it's that, you know, that way. So try to have some perspective, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and before we we'll, we get to the, the fun part of the show, I do want to just quickly talk about uh, the the recent week of uh, in gaming. There's been a big Me Too movement uh, that, you know, I know we went through it a few years ago with Harvey Weinstein and a bunch of other people. And actually, Chris D'Elia, uh, as, like last week, uh, similarly. And gaming, there's been a slew of different, uh, you know, 
casters and people within the industry that have just been, you know, people like, cause there's so many different games, you know, so many different communities. So when you say gaming, it's not like, it's just like one community. There's, there's tons. So Dota, uh, League of Legends, even talent agencies, just a lot of different people been and like been kind of accused of doing some kind of bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really surprising, right? Because as you pointed out, uh, it's not one community, it's many communities. And we see this in tons of other industries as well. So, it, you know, you'd be surprised if gamers are somehow better than, uh, than everyone else here. It is, uh, on one hand, obviously, you know, you read a lot of these things and your heart just goes out to these people because nobody should be subjected to, to this kind of stuff with, in what is essentially their workplace, right? If you're a streamer yeah. or you're in the industry. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, it is a little heartening because you see that platform sponsors and people are really taking this seriously. There's a, I feel like a really productive conversation happening right now about how collectively we can all do better. So while it is, you know, really tough to read a lot of these things and uh, kind of understand what's happening, on the other hand, hopefully this is like something that the industry can build from and, and everyone can do much better moving forward. Did you have any? Any of these stories, I think, that uh, jumped out to you that you have anything specific you want to talk about? Um, I mean, they're all, ju- you know, they, there's nothing that I feel kind of comfortable. I don't really know the industries. Uh, you know, I don't know any the, specifically any of these people. Um, and it's just kind of, it's just unfortunate that this is, you know, oh, no, it's fortunate that this is happening. It's unfortunate that this stuff happens. Yeah. And and I just think that, well, there's a few things. A, gamers especially are, are kind of just awkward and like nerdy in general and, and men especially, you know, are it's just you, you spent most of your time playing online and not having social interaction. Yeah, maybe you get it through Twitch or whatever, but that doesn't, that's not real social interaction. You don't just get to pick up on social cues as they're happening and stuff. So that happens. Um, that's one thing that is kind of like, like you, we just, you just need to be better at uh, interacting with humans, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think that's a great point you make that you're spending time connecting with people through a digital medium. You're not face to face. I think a lot of times people forget, you know, you see this in Twitter comments or any media that there's actually other people on the end of, of the platforms. Right. So you read these stories about these guys, you know, soliciting people for photos and all these kind of coercive things they do basically from the other end of a, a computer screen. It's like, well, that, you know there is a person there. And I think there's a lot lost when you don't really get the face-to-face connection. You don't really get to like humanize with someone. They just seem like, you know, they're part of this weird digital world that you're, uh, you're interfacing with. And, you know, these are people that you're talking to. And, you know, I think I find myself not necessarily guilty of these things, but it, it is tough to, to realize that like every piece of content that's out there, unless it's generated by some Russian bot or something like that's coming from a person. So, you know, try to just like always put a face on the other end of comments or the other end of people you're talking to, whether that's on the phone or, you know, over streaming and stuff, because at the end of the day, like that's where I think a lot of this gets lost is there's not like, we're not humanizing each other. Right. And then it just becomes really ugly really quickly. If there's, if there's problems there. 
Uh, funny and uh, so I saw I happened to see a tweet yesterday that was um, it was such an amazing way of kind of encapsulating how maybe we react online. And so basically, there was this girl that uh, she her she just tweeted like or she just texted her boyfriend, "Oh my shawarma, it fell apart." Oh no, like oh god, my shawarma fell apart. And his response was like, "Oh, that's unfortunate." Are you in like the feeling stage right now or are you in the, uh, you know, the, the rational like or the like stage where you want, you know, like he's yeah. like, what what stage? And and I feel like that that's kind of how maybe we react online is that instead of ever asking ourselves like, hey, like, is, am I being rational right now if I respond here or emotional? You're usually just emotional because it's you're just seeing like like text and font or you know and barely another person on uh, the other end and you just kind of act you can just type it and then boom you press enter and then you just called someone a name you yeah. know so it's almost always emotional yeah and to go back to just, our earlier point though yeah. I mean, you, you read through a lot of these stories and a lot of these things are actually face to face in person. Uh, communications and there's like physical sexual assault involved sometimes. So obviously that explanation and that proactive step there doesn't necessarily address those. So I think, you know, in general, um, there is a huge opportunity for us to kind of as a society realize that, you know, taking mental health seriously, taking therapy seriously around all these kind of things actually helps. Um, and I, I read one story where some guy who was accused of something said that he's now in therapy for whatever the problem was. And, and he got kind of pilloried online. People are like, well, this is too little too late. And like, I agree. It kind of rings a little hollow when this is something that you say after the fact, but I would actually take this as a, an opportunity for everyone to realize that there's a lot we can learn from learning how to interact with each other. And therapy is a good tool for that. So while it doesn't excuse this behavior and you can't say that like therapy and mental health would, you know, wipe out all of these situations, it definitely seems like something that could help prevent, you know, like yeah. basically damaging each other in, in the future. I have a bit of a personal relationship here. Uh, one of my friends was, remains in the gaming community, a pretty senior woman. She shared a lot of stories that, you know, sound very similar to this. She was pretty quick to point out that there are, a lot of assholes out there who are just using, you know, their power uh, in coercive ways and think that they can get away with it. And like that group definitely exists. But to your point about people being awkward, you know, a lot of times I don't think people realize that basically every relationship and every interaction we have now, you know, it's, it is, especially if you're in the industry, kind of a professional one. And you should sort of act like everyone that you're dealing with online, if you're a streamer or, you know, you're in the industry or not, it kind of is a professional relationship. And sometimes that's not obviously apparent to, to the guy who thinks that this might be a, a more personal relationship than it actually is. So she was, you know, way more mature about this than I would be. She was like, well, yeah, I definitely had people who are assholes, but then there were also those people who I was like, they just don't, they're not thinking of this as a professional relationship, what it really is. So, I mean, yeah. shout out to her, we're not going to name her name, but like incredibly mature response there. Um, but if you're in either camp, just try to do everything you can to realize that, this is uh, this is a situation where you should be as professional as possible, even when we're just doing something dumb like playing games online and having fun. Yeah, and just just to finish uh, all you know, kind of bookend this. I do think that positions of power when you when you're like a for like when you go from being like a ever like a whatever no name gamer or streamer, and then you just kind of rise. It can be very fast. 
and your ego will just kind of get like so tied to that that you feel like oh well i'm like the shit now like i look at me i'm like a champion counter-strike player whatever and then like you'll just start kind of almost that carries over into your personal life and it can be dangerous um especially once you it's it's kind of like you shouldn't if you're you become a celebrity within your community you should probably not be trying to take advantage of situation because you're a celebrity i guess yeah and you know the last thing i'll kind of point out is you know I don't think you or I have any personal experience with any of these stories. Uh, but to reiterate my point, it seems like the people who are in a position to take this seriously, the sponsors, the platforms, and maybe even the criminal justice system are looking into this. So I don't feel comfortable commenting on anything until kind of the situation plays out and due process uh, plays out. But again, you know, we're very compassionate towards the, the victims here. And obviously we want to see this, be a moment that the industry can grow from and, and lead to, you know, much better, you know, but much better life for everybody moving forward. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you yeah. well said. Oh, thank you. And again, you know, you and I, two uh, heterosexual guys here talking about it. I don't know if we have much we can add to the conversation. So there are certainly other people out there that have, you know, they're telling their stories and I would, if you're interested in this, you know, go listen to those folks. All right. Sure. Um, so you had a note here about uh, Blizzard's interaction with uh, Savage, who I used to actually watch. Uh, he's a Finnish Hearthstone pro who apparently got blacklisted. What did you What did you know about this story? I um, I actually probably should have put down in the notes that this was like something that uh, I I kind of just perused the story and yeah. uh, or I I headlined it and I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, Pat Patrick will know about this. <laughs> But then yeah. I kind of forgot to uh, dive so too much into it. So this is um, an interesting story. I actually have been following this very tangentially for a while. But essentially, his wife used to work for Blizzard. And uh, there was speculation that the reason he was blacklisted was because she had you know, some opinions on the company that the company didn't like. So it was a bit of a free speech kind of NDA situation. It seems like it's being resolved now, which is good. But... Again, you know, it's it's interesting how powerful the companies and the platforms are in this world. I mean, going back to like Dr. Disrespect, who just lost his um, his livelihood basically due to whatever happened. And again, we don't have the details there. But Discord, Twitch, all these sponsors severed his uh, their relationships with him. And, and you know, he's now whatever is going to happen to him will happen. Same thing here. I mean, um, it's one one company and when you're in eSport. Uh, that company can take away everything really quickly. So again, be careful with what you say, but also like we should hold these companies accountable that if they're going to blacklist somebody like this, you know, they should have a good reason for doing it. And I trust that most companies do, but a bit of an interesting story to to watch there moving forward. Yeah. I I feel like I'm not going to say overly confident, but I feel good that if the sponsors are removing like, or, you know, make taking action that they probably did their due diligence. You know, it's just not like one allegation or something. I feel like they're, I would hope that they're at least, you know, looking into it. All right. Like this is a serious situation. Okay. We have to bow yeah. out. Yeah. I'd hope so too. All right. Well, we can move on to some kind of more fun news. So <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> is getting a MOBA. Have you seen this story about Pokemon Unite? No, but that sounds 
Like, I mean, I, I'm not really that big a Pokemon guy. Played Pokemon Go, never played Pokemon. Chose Magic because I'm a little older. Yeah. Um, for as far as the card game, but seems fun. If, yeah. if that seems like it'll be like pretty adorable. Yeah, I think so. And it really, it's it's interesting to me because of the whole like games as a platform approach that most modern companies are taking. I mean, so you have. Call of Duty now has the Battlefield competitor. They have, or not the Battlefield, the uh, Battle Royale competitor. They have all these other properties that they build around Warzone. Obviously, Riot's entire business is built with this. They started with the characters in League of Legends, and now they have five or six different properties, yeah. um, all related to those. And now Pokemon, the same thing, right? You have the traditional kind of single player and tournament experience, and then now a MOBA, right? So. <sighs> I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this because I think when it's done well, and I'll point to Riot here, which I think is one of the most impressive companies in gaming for a variety of reasons, it, it really works, right? You can get this... Variety. Yeah, Var- and well done. That's a yeah. slick one. You can build a kind of ecosystem that people can really live in, right? Like you can use the same characters in you know, Team Fight, which recently hit Platinum, lost a lot of my life to that one. Uh, as you do in League, right? You have a deep relationship with those characters and it actually works really well. But then it kind of just feels like every game company is now having like just a portfolio of games that all sort of look the same at the at the very high end. So we'll monitor this. I don't know how this is going to work, but I love the MOBA genre. So any new entries are, are welcomed by me, but we'll, we'll see there. I mean... I get what you're saying that, you know, not every big company needs to have, you know, a MOBA or Battle Royale. You know, I guess, it, you know, like it's it's kind of annoying, you know, when everyone just bites on a type of genre that gets invented. And then now the, the game is that invented it is nowhere to be found. <laughs> kind of like uh, H1Z1. Remember, do you even know H1? You know, like it's yeah, yeah. it's no, I doubt anyone plays that anymore. But to but as far as this specific one if i can go on pokemon go build up my characters and then import them to pokemon five on five matches or something that sounds dope yeah you know that's that seems kind of fun in that regard where you're actually doing stuff in real life you know like playing pokemon go they are and whatever and then you get to fight people and then now you get to take that and play or i mean it's just it just seems cool to uh, specifically with Pokemon because there's so many different Pokemon out there. <laughs> so I saw this and I was going to ask you, what would you think would be the, the weirdest matchup of genre and like existing IP? So where my head went is like, what if Animal Crossing had a battle royale mode? <laughs> oh my God, that would, that would be pretty Tom great. Nook Warzone. Yeah, so like that I think would be for me one of the funniest ones. You, anything jump out to you? Um, I mean... No, I'm. I'll have to. I'll have to get back on you that one because there's just like I'm thinking about like Mario Brothers, yeah. but like, and then I was like, wait a minute, Mario Kart. That kind of is. Like, it was like Mario and Rocket League. No, that's like kind of Mario Kart. They also had that Mario and Rabbits game, which is basically XCOM. If you know XCOM, the turn-based strategy game, which was like no. Mario hunting rabbits with a turn-based strategy shooter, which is like that's pretty weird. They've yeah. tried these things before, but I think you know Pokemon, one of the biggest brands we have. That'll, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Pokemon, is... like Mortal Kombat would be, you know, yeah, right. like, like, like actually, you know, finish him. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories I've seen recently. Uh, what do you know about the Gucci Fanatic watch? 
Uh, I don't know anything about it, but that sounds hilarious. Speaking of like really kind of idiosyncratic mashups here. So uh, Louis Vuitton, as you probably knew this, they created a League of Legends trophy, I think last year. Gucci's getting in the game with the Fanatic watch, which is an esports based $1,600 like analog watch. So if you're a huge Fanatic fan, uh, shout out to, I think, Faker. Then uh, yeah, you can spend sixteen hundred dollars and get a Gucci watch. Can we just take a moment to realize that four years ago, maybe? Do you think like Gu- it's hilarious? Gucci CEO now, like four years ago, it would have been like esports, what? Yeah. huh? Legal, huh? What? <laughs> and now they're making watches. You saw that uh, that that Popeyes Chicago Huntsman money is like I want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my favorite tweet I've seen in the past two weeks, and again, it's been a dark time to be on Twitter. I don't recommend it. Has been uh, Riot Jean throwing down the Riot Grand Slam, which is Challenger and Team Fight, Master Runeterra, Radiant and Play Valorant, and Challenger and League of Legends all at the same time. Each of those, you basically have to treat the game as a little bit more than a full-time job to hit and maintain that rank. But do you think anyone will get all four of those? Uh, I mean, if there's someone, it, it, I could see, you know, Ninja or some like massive, maybe I guess maybe not Ninja because he's more of like a shooter, you know, guy. shooter guy. But if there's someone of that caliber who's like a savage who just is good at whatever, like Ninja's good at every single shooter game. He's yeah. he's like probably like top like 0.1%, it seems, in any shooter game he ever plays. And I'd like to see, you know, someone in, in the, the league world. But so the issue is, is that you need teams, though, for League of Legends, right? Like, you have to have – so that's a little tougher. I mean, and – I mean, there's, there's solo queues. There's solo queues for all of those. But to, oh, get, okay. to get to the highest level, solo queue is almost impossible, um, as far as I know, other than TFT, obviously. So also, it's interesting. Ru- yeah, Runeterra is a card game. Yeah. But it's far far different than, you know, League. This would be impressive if someone did this. So I, I forget his name. Uh, Blastoise, actually, one of the R&D guys at Riot, is currently Diamond or equivalent in all of them. But to your point, Runeterra is the one that he hasn't been able to crack. I think he's still silver. I'm currently Platinum in TFT and Runeterra. So I'm nowhere close to either of those. But we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll watch the situation. I'm so struggling I- to just go mythic and magic every month. Like that's impossible. Try doing it in four freaking games. Whoever does this deserves like free something free. Like, I don't know, like riot swag for life. I, don't, I have no idea. Just like, this seems incredibly hard. I don't know, man. I, I think they therapy would be what I would recommend. Over <laughs> any gift. You, sh- you shouldn't play that many video games. No one should. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, neither, neither of us will be claiming that anytime soon, but uh, if you have uh, a lot of time, go get it. So I know you're an Xbox guy, but the next generation of consoles have been revealed at this point, Series X and PlayStation 5. Anything exciting from you or about that? Um, I'm just more annoyed that I bought a new Xbox last year to upgrade my old Xbox, and now you know there's a new one coming out, and... I mean, I'm sure it'll be dope, but I just want, you know, technology, slow down, relax. Like, <laughs> let, let me let me just have this, uh, you know, terabyte Xbox for a little bit. Well, I think the Xbox has been out for, what, seven, eight years at this point. So, come on. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm just being salty. 
as a PlayStation guy, I'm pretty excited to uh, run around the ruins of San Francisco in the new Horizon game. Uh, love seeing post-apocalyptic San Francisco get <laughs> represented that, there. That sounds pretty great. Also, Gran Turismo 7 coming out. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a racing guy for, I mean, I'm just, I've always loved racing. NASCAR growing up, Formula One, I don't know. Instead of cartoons, I just watch Formula One every Saturday or something. But Gran Turismo is one of the most authentic, like one of the most pure racing games that have ever been made. Yeah. I mean, I want a garage that looks like that. We'll see. Yeah. So a big topic for today was going to be the mailbag. But obviously, there's a lot of news that kind of took precedence. We did get a number of pretty good questions, some of which I think are going to be standalone episodes coming up here soon. So we can take some of the meaty ones off the table, but one I got a lot, mostly in person, actually. How did you become a pro poker player? What's it like being, you know, having your livelihood derived from games? That's something I think I'm definitely interested in because I'm far too pretty to work. And I look at you and I'm like, I want to do that. How do I get to where you are? Um, well, it kind of was not, it was not planned at all. Yeah, I I was kind of floundering in, you know, wasn't really doing I was doing all right in school. It was taking me a little longer than I would like. Um, And then I kind of had some like I like lost my job at Olive Garden. I know <laughs> like, you know, while I'm waiting tables, going to school and then like I couldn't find another job or maybe I just wasn't trying that hard. And then I decided to move back to South Florida. And like there was this lame duck period where like the magic players that I played with were just like, we're playing poker now. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. Like magic sweet. We don't need to play poker. <laughs> and then I played a little bit, whatever, but the few weeks before I went back down to South Florida from Gainesville and, you know, central Florida. And when I go down to South Florida, all my magic friends there are playing poker. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So, from that point on, I kind of just realized this was a bit more serious than I thought. And I just devoted a lot of time. And it was one of the only things, maybe the first things in my life, first thing in my life that I was like, I can 100% do this and be good at this game. And I just devoted way too much time and money to it. And it was not a pretty kind of a, it wasn't, it wasn't just like a slow, like kind of, it was just like very, you know, up and down. And then eventually, I just went on a run and made a like a decent amount of cash. This, this, this is 17 years ago. I, I 16 years ago. The the route for me to go through poker is not really something that I would recommend for anyone. But um, nowadays, if you really want to just grind and become a good poker player, you have to just be a freaking sponge, soak in all the info, all the information you can. And also you need to play a ton of poker because because Patrick, like you watched Masterclass. I'm sure you learned about a ton about game theory. I'm sure you learned a ton about other stuff, you know, just psychology almost. However, the only way that you're going to get to the like like to get better is by getting those reps and practicing. And the only way you can practice is by playing real money poker, like playing hand after hand. So eventually what happens is you just start seeing situation you're like oh i don't know what to do here okay and then after sorry after eventually what happens you realize oh i know what to do here i've seen this before yeah so yeah so there's a lot of that and you know just keep keep grinding and uh i 
would not recommend this for anyone if you have like you know a, a career path that seems to be kind of normal but if you're, you know I've, I've never just been a normal kind of by the book career path you know nine to five person i've always played magic i've always been a gamer and it just seemed like once you're you go from playing magic at a reasonably high level to all of a sudden playing poker it just seems like the natural progression if you look like starcraft um there are a lot of other games chess pretty big for you know uh, even counter-strike i think the early counter-strike there's a lot of counter-strike turn poker players they, they all came from somewhere yeah and then they all went to crypto there you go because <laughs> it's you know way easier or it was yeah it's really interesting uh i did obviously play a ton of poker these past two three weeks including your tournament watched the master class did a bunch of reading on poker shout out to um What's that book? Uh, Man for All Markets. Good gambling book there. And what's what, the? I've never heard of that book. So it's what's Edward it? Thorpe. He's uh, the guy who like kind of invented counting cards and blackjack, and then he also did a bunch of statistics and stuff for poker. Um, oh, a lot of a lot of the like foundational work that you probably know about, like hand ranges and percentages and that kind of stuff, came from like pretty intense statistical analysis over a long period of time by guys like this. He was more focused on roulette and blackjack, but he did uh, some number of, of poker stuff too. And I think the really interesting thing that I learned playing poker for three weeks here, because I've played a ton of like house games, but nothing anything serious, is that the in order to be creative, in order to be really good, you first basically have to have a tremendous foundation of knowledge in order to know what like the correct play is. Yes. Because at a certain level, everyone knows what the correct play is in every situation and where you kind of differentiate yourself. And I think this applies to any game is when you choose to play kind of suboptimally to surprise an opponent, essentially, right? Like when you bluff or you probably should because you have some read or when you uh, slow play a hand that maybe you should be playing a little bit more aggressive because you feel like you can build a trap, that kind of stuff. In order to do that consistently and at a very high level, you actually have to have an incredible understanding of like what the perfect and optimal play is. And you start to see this in once I, I watch this, I kind of uh, I've been watching a lot of like old basketball clips too, because I just miss sports. You can kind of see that too, where like people will take shots that they probably shouldn't because it's unexpected or where people will do uh, kind of unorthodox things in like soccer or football matches because it's unexpected. But in order for that to actually work consistently, you got to actually just know the game cold. And that was the most surprising thing to me about pokers. I sort of thought that, you know, there are guys who are super analytical and like think, you know, really through, like through a lot of stuff, but then there's a lot of guys who just kind of shoot from the hip all the time. And I don't think that's actually that true. Would you say that people are more, calculated or kind of more play by feel in, in your experience you know what's funny is that you're you're kind of hey you you understand poker uh pretty well i feel like you're doing your research um but so what you said something that was kind of interesting is that these people that might still be playing from feel are kind of doing it from they're still being analytical like kind of analytical in their own like brain database where they've like you know they they're doing it, but they they're not necessarily. It's not necessarily like oh, I have to. They they, they sorry, I'm not articulating this well. So basically, they figured out 
from the tendencies that they've seen, the data they've gathered from many ends before. Maybe it's not as mathematically oriented and as specific, but that's kind of what is what they're figuring out. So I guess to some extent, maybe everyone is really kind of just analyzing their own data and being analytical. Um, and that's where the feel comes. The feel, though, is what is kind of the intangible that is really hard to possess. And some people have it and some people just, you know, it really depends on the type of person you are. For me, I find that there are times to just be standard and just go by the book and it can be boring and whatever. And then there are times where, like you said, with the basketball shot, taking a bad shot where it's like it's just worth it there. Because if that happens to work or, you know, it's going to be unexpected. Um, And and there are some players who never really do that, who just only operate on game theory completely. Um, And I think, though, you'll find at the higher levels that is more prevalent. But in the stakes that maybe I play on the day to day or just let's say you go play in the main event um, or even you're going to play in a hundred dollar or maybe a twenty dollar home game, whatever. You're not going to have to think about game theory very much. It's good to know about it and understand yeah. it. But, um, it, you know, you just kind of want to do what you want to do. And you don't have to be um, like balanced with like your bluffs and your 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 value hands. You don't have to go into any of that. Like the If you try to do that stuff too early or just like in your own like poker growth, it's going to bog you down too much. So yeah. to understand it is good, but it's more important to just understand the players that you're playing against. And sometimes there are players that don't even understand what GT know what GTO means. So <laughs> yeah. why are you trying to play GTO? You're just going to kind of hurt yourself. to some Game extent. theory optimized for the, the listeners. Optimal. optimal, optimal yeah. yeah, you got it. Yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating thing. I mean, the whole concept of like being above the meta, I think, is exactly this, right? Because the meta in poker for a long time was not GTO, and then it was, and then it's like GTO plus like calculated steps away from an optimal play, right? And like that's where yeah. we're at now, sort of. I think with poker. Yeah, I think that you know we have there's this computer called PO Solver that just solves freaking uh, you know what you're supposed to do on a flop or yeah. a turn or whatever for a certain stack size. Of course, that is hard to incorporate in real time because not everyone knows that. And even if they do know it, it's still like some of these things are like, you should do this 33% of the time or 25%, you know, like, and it's like, you have to randomize that. And it's like most. So I would say for the 99%, 99 99.9% of players. Yeah. uh, Don't worry about that stuff. But (laughs) at the top, like the lot top, like maybe. 50 to 100 players, they're definitely very in tune with that stuff. And you've there are things that this program has taught you about poker that we all thought were awkward to do or not right to do. That is actually what we're supposed to be doing. Like um, there's a certain flop, like board comes ace, king, like four. And there's a certain flop where you're just supposed to bet big, <laughs> like really big. Um and everyone just assumed you're supposed to bet real small on that flop for yeah. years, you know? And so, you know, Peel Solver is a great study tool. If you want to, you know, look at the data and the GTO stuff and figure that out and like look at it. And, but incorporating it in real time is incredibly tough. And a lot of times it doesn't really happen. 
Yeah. So what's interesting to me about this is like through doing this podcast with you and studying all of these different games, obviously you and I have both been kind of obsessed with games our whole life. I start to kind of really appreciate the concept of like knowing the basics, the fundamentals cold, and then actively going against those uh, to kind of form your own play style in, in poker or any games. And what I mean by this is if you look at like artists, even artists we think of as very abstract, uh, you know, like Dali, that's kind of, or Picasso, right? Like stuff that doesn't look like basic art. Those guys also knew how to do, you know, pretty accurate portraits and all these kind of things really well. And then they took that like core tool set and just applied it in a really interesting creative direction. It reminds me of like the 2000s Boise State college football team, right? Like they were all yeah. about quick plays and stuff because they they knew the basics. They knew that they couldn't win that way, but they could win with, you know, these crazy like Statue of Liberty plays and stuff. I was watching a documentary the other day on, uh, do you know Rongchu, the Tekken player? No. So he won at the highest level of Tekken with what everybody considered was the worst character. Because, Whoa. yeah, because when you're like, he knew the basics really well. He knew that like Devil Jin, which is the, the S tier character, everybody's going to be playing that because it's the strongest, most powerful character. But nobody would ever play against Panda, which is like the weakest one. And so he could just do stuff that was unexpected. And it also fit his play style. And he ended up winning, you know, the highest level of Tekken with that. And then you think about like how computers play StarCraft II. I know we've talked about Alpha Star and, and all of those. They win with strategies that nobody's ever seen before because they know people don't know how to react to them. Great. They also have mechanical advantages and stuff. But I started seeing this in my own play style, like when I was trying to get really good at TFT and then poker and all these other things, is I I started to try to like develop my own play style like right out the gate, right? Because like I saw all these people doing their own thing. I want to do something different. Um, and that didn't really work for me because I, I did that have, in poker. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, you know, you, you just have this ego attachment, you know, to being like, yeah. I can change the game. I'm going to be the best. And like, no, you just got to kind of learn well, it. The people that do end up changing the game, they like, they know how to play the game the right way, whatever that game is. And then from there, once they are kind of like, you know, mastery, then you can do the really creative stuff. Let, let me actually rephrase because you just made me think of something. I don't, you could end up changing the game to some extent, but to change the game before you understand the foundational concepts of the game is where is, is like, we're getting too ahead of ourselves. Like, you know, that that's the thing. And, and what I realized is there was something that I was doing freaking forever ago that like may was like, like people were like, wait, you do that. Whoa. <laughs> and then like, they're like, Oh wow, I do that. That really does work. You know, it's very small, you know, very not like complicated stuff, but it was something that like, yeah, maybe to some extent I changed the game at some point, maybe you changed the game in something you played and didn't even realize it, you know? Um, and it, it's like, yeah, you just have to learn the foundational concepts first. Yeah, that's uh, that is true. I mean, the other I've been watching a lot of esports documentaries recently. The other one was Shushe, uh, who won Worlds for League of Legend. He took like a decent character and played it in a way that nobody else had. It was Alistar, and uh, was able to just like surprise everybody and, and and win that way. And then Moneyball would be, I guess, the classic example, right? The Michael Lewis book based on the Oakland A's turned into a, a pretty great movie starring uh, Brad Pitt. Some people say we also the Madden. Oh yeah, you guys are <laughs> spitting image. Uh, yeah. Madden. Um, the remember the story we reported on? Yeah, last I think week. last episode from last. Yeah, the, the guy who just decided he was gonna make a uh, he was gonna make a 
uh, you have like a punter as a QB and then he didn't run, he didn't throw the ball once he just had, just ran the yeah. ball. Yeah. Like sometimes you just can, you can't do it every time, but you can find a format and break the meta. Yeah. You know, stay above it. Say, what is it? Uh, experts know all the rules, but masters know all the exceptions. There's some quote like that. So I would say my advice in, in getting good at any games and, you know, I'm not by any means tournament quality in anything, but it's first just like know the fundamentals, right? There's a reason that, uh, you know, John Wood and little things make the big things happen. So I guess that's my advice. And like, that's in the games that I've played, you know, I went from punting a lot of cash and poker to doing okay. We can talk about that in another episode. <laughs> it, I, I basically just started trying to play like correct. Um, anything else to add about your, your career here? Uh no, it's been fun. Um, I, you know, I do wish that Black Friday, the whole thing with 2011, where you had yeah. to go out of the country to play poker, had never happened. But um, it's still been a good ride. Uh, it's interesting that I like have a blank slate of thing. Uh, like, you know, I wake up to on Monday, and it's not like I have to do anything. Uh, I, I'm not required. I have a, a lot of extra time because Sundays are actually the day that I spend like 12 hours like playing poker online. Uh, and, you know, it's a interesting kind of lifestyle. It was far more cr- crazier back in the day. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I guess I've matured uh, somewhat. And I think the issue is, is finding what things to do to fill your time that, you know, and sometimes it's just, it can be a little boring. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you are uniquely prepared uh, for, for lockdown then, right? Yeah, exactly. I was, I mean, I've done that before. I've spent weeks inside my apartment just playing poker online for like the big series and stuff. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this all just order Postmates. What's, what's changed? <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of other questions. I think we're going to do a full mailbag episode pretty soon here. Obviously a lot of news today, so we can, we can cut it short here. Uh, any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, just good to get back, uh, back in here, you know, record a podcast with you. Yeah, me too. I would say my final thought is, again, it's a, it's a wild time out there. Uh, do everything you can to stay safe, stay sane. Uh, if you need to reach out to either of us, I know we'd be happy to talk to anyone who you know has games or anything else on their mind. Uh, and send your questions in. Ask above the meta. We'll be looking out for those. Uh, final questions. I want to get your thoughts on this. I had a couple of people ask if they can be guests in the pod. They work either in gaming or tangentially. How do you feel about having guests? Should we break up the... The duopoly? I, I, yeah, I think, uh, well, duopoly, it's a word uh, I learned today. Um, yeah, I got at least a 900 on my SAT. You've, you've quite a good, uh, you've an extensive vocabulary. Every week is a new new word. Um, so I would say, yeah, uh, obviously we don't want just any like Joe Schmo off the streets. Like, uh, you know, I played Super Mario Brothers when I was seven. I'm a gamer. Like, let's just, you know, but, you know, if, if you got something, if you're an interesting uh, person in in your gaming community or you feel like you can just add to the podcast like hop on yeah uh so that with that being said glad you agree we have a couple of guests who will probably be coming on next couple of, uh, of episodes here awesome adam well been a pleasure as always i'll leave you with that all right sounds good see ya see Bye, guys. You in. Yeah. put you down to keep you in put you down to keep you in i'll be working for a minute yeah so i can flex to say i did it yeah, they don't wanna see you in. Yeah, put you down and keep you in.